1: Both on and off the field. He is Sean Pendergast. And pro football hall of famer, the general, Sean McClain. Welcome, welcome to Utopia. Right, let's get to the mailbag. If you want to email us, H-O-U mailbag at gmail.com. We do the mailbag every Wednesday. We report every Wednesday. Um, the mailbag, H-O-U mailbag at gmail.com. And uh, certainly we appreciate everybody sending in questions. Uh, to ask John and I, we've got a handful of them here, about five or six of them here, however many we can get to in our in our time frame, um, we will uh, we will get to. A lot of you are cu- very curious about uh, Texans training camp. So let's get right to those, uh, John. Charles Honeycutt emails. Um, it's a pretty simple one here. What's been your favorite moment in this year's training camp so far? Eleven practices in, John. Do you have any favorite moments so far from training camp? Uh
0: watching Tank Dale make catches all over the field, whether it's in traffic, sideline, Deep down the middle when balls are overthrown, I I think Tank is going to be sensational, a fun player to watch. And every time they throw in the ball, I hold my breath thinking about what he's capable of doing in the season.
1: Yeah, I when I think of this question, like favorite moment in training camp, I don't know that I have like specifically a favorite moment, but just three general things I've liked seeing in training camp is one, the, just the energy on the defense. There's a lot of trash talk going on on the defensive side of the ball. And that's the better side of the ball right now on this football team. Um, but there's been a lot of energy. Your guy, Jalen Petrie, John, they must have a good trash talking major at Baylor uh, because he is, uh, he's a PhD right now in trash talk out there. Jalen Petrie is. Yeah, um, and everybody loves him. They do, they do. And, and I think even the guys getting trash talked at him love him. Hell, CJ... C.J. drives to work with him every day. They're carpooling buddies going into the building every day. Um, That, anything Will Anderson has been doing, I've enjoyed watching so far in training camp for sure, number 51. And then I would say, like, the closest thing I have to a moment, I don't remember what practice it was. It was back when C.J. and Davis were still splitting reps evenly. But there was a period where I, this is where I, I got super excited about CJ Stroud in training camp. It was probably midway through probably practice four or five, something like that, where it was early on. CJ missed early in practice on a deep shot to Nico Collins, kind of overthrew him by not too much. I mean, but just overthrew him. Like it was, you know, it's a, it's a ball you expect CJ to hit. Um, very next series in practice, same basically the same thing, dropped it right in the breadbasket to him, you know. And and so, just uh, things like that like, just the, the overall progression of CJ Stroud like, it was rough at times early on. He's clearly getting the hang of picking up things that the defense is throwing at him and and making very good decisions as to when to check down, when to take shots, and things like that.
0: I can tell you my least favorite moment D'Amico Ryan's tells NFL network CJ Stroud is. Starting right after, he didn't tell all the Houston media that covers the team. I,
1: he, I that felt like one of those things, John. Watching the video, that D'Amico almost knew that he was doing that, like, like in a bad way, like, because I Oops. it wasn't, yeah, like Pelissero was really putting the heat on him to answer that question. You know, um, I'm not saying that he sh- should or shouldn't have answered it. I'm just saying, like, I don't think I, I do feel like at times there are coaches and people that that specifically give things to national media as opposed to local media because they feel like it benefits them. You know that as well as anybody. Um, I don't feel like that was one of the cases with D'Amico. That felt like D'Amico, like, okay, this guy, this Pellicero guy is right up in my grill pressuring me for an answer. And he like, he even, like, inadvertently said Ravens week, you know, like, against the Ravens, it'll be CJ, oh, I mean the Patriots. Like, uh, D'Amico felt very uncomfortable. It felt like answering that question.
0: Yeah, I don't think he did on purpose. I think it slipped.
1: Yeah. But anytime
0: yeah. you give something to a national people instead of the guys that are covering you every day, writing and broadcasting, glowing things about you and your team, it's just, to me, uh, that's one reason I retired from the Chronicle, so I didn't want to have to worry about things like that anymore.
1: Yeah. But it seems like you're still worrying about it, John. I felt bad for all the
0: Pete people. I, wouldn't even, I wasn't even there. Yeah. I, was on, I was driving – Home And I heard uh, Landry and Lopez on In the Loop tell it. And at first, I felt so bad for all the B people.
1: Yep. Uh, More training camp questions. Uh, This is from Jennifer in Galena Park. You guys are out at training camp every day. How would you describe Nick Casario's role and involvement in training camp practices? Seems like in years past when we were out there, he's been very involved, throwing the ball around, warming up with players, et cetera. How would you describe Nick Casario's involvement with the team in practice this year?
0: I think when Nick got here, he continued the role he had at New England, where we saw this when they came for joint practices in West Virginia. He was out throwing the ball around to receivers, playing catch with quarterbacks, because he used to be a coach and he was a college quarterback. And he was up in the press box because Bill Pelichick won him on the headset, communicating with offensive coordinator Josh McDaniels, their play caller. And he did that here the first year. And then last year, he was in the press box. He didn't have the headphones on. If if I'm Bobby Slowick and I'm a first-year play caller, I would want Nick up there. I would want uh, Nick's uh, advice because if it's good enough for Bill Belichick and Josh McDaniels, it should be good enough for me. But he's more about personnel, and uh, he spends a lot of time walking around the field, taking notes, and uh, and talking to talking to players and coaches.
1: Yeah, I I compare him this year, John, out of training camp. Whereas I think Jennifer makes a good point. He was very involved, certainly with Cully, super involved. It felt like, um, I he's more like Rick Smith now. In ter- I'm just in, hopefully a better GM than Rick Smith, but like I in terms of just how he how he uh, conducts himself at practice, like he's way off. He kind of stands behind, you know, like kind of way way off in the you know, 20 or 30 yards behind the line of scrimmage. And, yeah, he's just got his pen and his paper out the whole time. And he's he's by himself 95% of practice. On occasion, somebody comes over and talks to him, but he's just by himself back there evaluating. It's very, very different than the last couple of years, at least out of practice it is.
0: And he, he, before practice starts, he roams, and then he settles in behind the secondary. That's always the better view. Kubiak always stood back there, Rick yep. Smith stood back there most coaches do that and uh so i'm sure he feels more comfortable now and his roles change that first year with cully was just a continuation of what he did with the patriots
1: all right lorenzo john has a for real or fugazi for, for both of us here Are you ready okay. it's, we're taking a monday staple and mixing it into wednesday here um with d'amico as the head coach the texans defense will be among the best in the league this year, for real or Fugazi?
0: Fugazi, come on, Lorenzo. <laughs> right. have been pathetic in recent years. They can't stop the run. That's the key. If they can stop the run, they have good secondary. Should so have a good pass rush. But if teams are constantly pounding the ball down your throat, like they have for four years, no. Now, I think they'll be better. May, uh, Robert Mays, of athletic, hasn't been 10th best. Yeah, in defense, I hope he's not betting on that because you got a lot of the same guys starting. So, no, I don't think defense is going to be, uh, I think it'll be better, but I don't think it'll be anywhere near what uh, Lorenzo uh, is, asking. Oh,
1: is hoping for. Yeah, well, what did you think of Robert Mays putting them at 10th? He he did the that's he, Robert Mays of the Athletic, and, and he explained himself in pretty good detail for about three or four minutes on the Athletic Football podcast. I don't know if you had a chance to hear that or not, John. Um, but he, Robert Mays is somebody who watches the film, you know, like he's clearly, this isn't Colin Cowherd hot taking based on something his produced 15 seconds worth of something his producers telling him somebody saw at practice. Like Robert Mays is, he's legit 10th. I'm with you. 10th feels a little high. Um, but what do you think is, what did you think of that take? And what did you, what do you think the ceiling is in your mind? Like what is the best case scenario in terms of where they might stack up? Well,
0: I totally disagree with him and, uh, I think if they could be in the somewhere in the sixteen on, Mm -hmm. it would be a huge improvement. Yep, they're not going to make the kind of improvement they did with Wade Phillips because Wade had JJ Watt, he had Connor Barwin returning for an injury, he had Jonathan Joseph and Danielle Manning. They had he had a lot of benefits, but this year, um, I I think they're. Last year, if you look at opponent passing rating, they were like seventh or eighth. And that was an offshoot of playing a lot of zone and facing Mm -hmm. the ball. And people said, well, they got run on so much. Well, what does that have to do with opponent's passing rating? Yeah. Whether they throw the ball 10 times or 40 times. So I think their secondary could be good. But I believe they can stop the run. When I see it, in 2018, they were number one against the run. Gave up, I think, eighty-three yards a game. Last year, they gave up one hundred and seventy.
1: Mm-hmm. John, it's you know, it's funny though. You bring up that two thousand eleven team with Wade Phillips, and yeah, like they 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 two big additions in free agency with Joseph and Manning, no doubt about it. Um, but they've made some additions. You know, Jimmy Ward, I view him as like an equivalent of a Daniel Manning addition in the secondary. You know, an older player who makes some play. Jimmy Ward's been a fringe top one hundred player in those player polls. Like, he's a good football player. The J.J. Watt thing is interesting to me that you bring that up because J.J. Watt as a rookie was for most of the year was very average. He only had five-and-a-half sacks that year. Do you expect Will Anderson, rookie, to be significantly better than J.J. Watt? Absolutely. I said
0: earlier, I think he'll be the first double-digit sack guy since Watt in 2018 when he had 16 because there were no high expectations for Watt. Nobody had him rated among top defensive players and everybody had Anderson, number one. They would have had Jalen Carter, number one, but they dropped him to number two because of the baggage.
1: I mean, I don't think it's a stretch to say the expectation is for Will Anderson to be the best defensive rookie in the history of the team. Um, And and that's saying something because they've drafted guys at his position with the number one overall pick, not once, but twice in Mario Williams and Jadeveon Clowney's rookie year, obviously was was a train wreck because he got hurt and had microfracture. I wasn't here for Mario's rookie year, John. You were in 2006. How was Mario as a rookie? Do you remember? Well, yeah, Mario
0: was, uh, first of all, uh, nobody ever thought he was going to be the number one pick. Nobody believed them that they were going to draft him. And then they signed him for the draft and then they drafted him and he was good. But the expectations for Clowney, who had been getting so much great pub at South Carolina expectations for Clowney to me were even higher than they are for Will Anderson jr. And one reason was because of that play against Michigan, it was a running play. In which he knocked the guy's helmet off, we saw yeah. over and over and over. Yeah. I remember a guy writing, a prominent guy before the draft, if the Texans don't take Jadavion Clowney, the best defensive player in decades, it should be uh, an investigation. It'll be a, a travesty. Yeah,
1: and now here is here he is in August visiting the Ravens, probably trying to sign his next one-year deal
0: with the mercenary.
1: Just- yeah, yeah, no, he'll do. will be his fifth team in his uh, in his NFL career, and he hasn't had a bad NFL career. I mean, he's been solid, and he was actually very good for the Texans. Made a few Pro Bowls for the Texans, but yeah, certainly not generational. All right, last one, John, it's from Jr. in Austin. This is an interesting one. It said I believe the Texans front office and specifically Cal have come a long way in the last two or three years. It's been a while since I referred to Cal as Tommy Boy or had conversations with friends about how we wish he would sell the team to Jeff Bezos. I also believe that a big part of the 180 for myself and the fans is Hannah McNair. Cal plays the straight man. She is the woman at the bar yelling at the TV with the rest of us. She brings out the best in Cal, and her love for the team is palpable. My question is Was putting her out front with Cal intentional? If so, whoever thought of it should get a big raise. JR and Austin, go Texas. I wrote a
0: long column on gallerysports.com uh, before it folded when I sat down with those two at the owners' meetings. About Hannah taking a bigger role, and Cal loved it. It was not something he said to do. She started coming every day when her kids, her youngest kid, got to a certain age and she had more time to come over there. And so she's heavily involved in the decision making process, not personnel. You know, they talk all the time, and they said it on Sports Radio 610 last week when they were on with uh, Clint Sterner and Ron Hughley. They hire people and they let them do their job. Cal McNair's always done that. Cal's problem was when he made Bill O'Brien, the general manager, and he wasn't ready. And when he hired Jack Easterby at O'Brien's urging, because O'Brien's close personal friend, Nick Casario, recommended him to the Texans. So uh, they made some bad decisions on hiring people, but I think having Hannah McNair uh, out front but she's the front man; Cal's behind the scenes. He doesn't mind that at all. He said he welcome.
1: So I think they're in a really good place I think it's a great observation from Jr. in Austin, up to and including the, the acknowledgement that for a few years there, it was really shaky. You know, the team was not making good decisions. Um, they made a lot more. They made a lot better decisions over the last several months, and I am completely 100 percent thumbs up on Hannah there. She's <laughs> <It's>, she's fun. <laughs> She's not afraid to speak her mind, which is very opinionated. uh, Very, I like it. It's good for us in this business, John, for sure.